This is Marco Reus and you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 266 of The Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, as always, and I'm joined for this brief but jam-packed episode by the one and only Matthias Zug from Denver, Colorado. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? How was your weekend? Hey, Stefan. Weekend was okay. Weather is nice, so no, no major complaints here. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine myself. Thank you. So... As I said, we have got lots of things to talk about. Uh, one, one draw against Frankfurt, then the uh, very dramatic cup game and exit against Werder Bremen. And then we have to preview the uh, next Bundesliga match against Hoffenheim. And then, of course, Matthias, while you, while you were here as also a part-time Tottenham fan, we will uh, also look forward to that Champions League tie, which will take place on Wednesday. So um, let's dive right in. Dortmund uh, gained the point on Bayern Munich <laughs> with a 1-1 draw away to Frankfurt. I think we were both quite confident in uh, this being a weekend where both Bayern and Dortmund dropped points. And uh, I think that held true. So um, I want to say there are two Takeaways from this game. One is that um, Dortmund had the chances to win this game, but over 90 minutes, I thought Frankfurt were the better side. What are your thoughts on uh, the game away to Eintracht Frankfurt? My impression is uh, Dortmund won the first half, Frankfurt won the second half. So on the balance of play, that means a draw is definitely deserved. Um, I would say when it comes to... High quality chances. Dortmund had plenty of them in the first half and could have put this thing to bed within the first 15, 20 minutes, it seems. Um, definitely could have scored three goals. Uh, I think Michael Royce could have, should have scored a hat trick. You could almost say. Um, and the really good opportunities that Frankfurt had in that phase of play, I think a lot of it was simply down to poor defending and individual mistakes from Dortmund rather than Frankfurt really creating it per se through the run of play. Of course, they created it through their pressing and the way they played. Again, over 90 minutes, I'm okay with the point away from home against a difficult opponent that played very, very well and I think deserved a draw. I, I don't really have any complaints over 90 minutes. No, certainly not. I mean, Frankfurt played a very physical style and, and their, their pressing certainly had an effect on, on Dortmund. Um, we've seen that recently, you know, a little bit more. I think Leipzig showed the same thing that, you know, if you press Dortmund really high and, and they, you know, don't find a way to, to build their way out of the back with a, with a ball, then it's getting a little bit problematic. And then when you uh, can pick them off, um, like in, uh, I think 36 minutes it was when Frankfurt uh, scored. 
then uh, you have a good chance to to find Dortmund a little bit disorganized, which they were as uh, they conceded. I think that was after a set piece, and I feel like Dortmund not being good at clearing from set pieces, uh, you know, is is a bit of a problem. But uh, it's also yeah, not not the biggest problem. I mean, that was a game where um, Dortmund, yeah, did not look at their very best yet. Um, I don't know about you but on the one hand you think hmm, they're they just had a break they should look a little bit fresher on the other hand i i think um you know they need to be at their very best and at the top of their game around march april may <laughs> and not right now so um obviously it would be better if they win all these games but um on the other hand at the same time the beginning of the season after these three games they also had um seven points um on the on the board so i think that's pretty positive um briefly matthias let's talk about uh paco alcasa um who in in my view for the 85 minutes he played looked very disconnected is this something um i mean we talked about this is this something uh we have to fear for a longer time that alcasa plays uh you know as n not not with the same synergy or level of synergy as as Mario Götze has in, in recent games or do you think that's just something that's uh, going that, that has to grow together as as time progresses because let's not forget he also did not have all that much playing time in the first half of the season Yeah, I think I, I got asked on Twitter if, um, you know, there are concerns about Dortmund's depth and quality overall in the squad. I, I don't think that's necessarily warranted, but one of the things was, you know, Paco's gone cold. Where are the goals coming from? I mean, we still score plenty of goals. Um, I, I don't think anybody can complain about that. And the scoring rate at which Paco Alcacer coming off the bench did in the first half of the season, no one could expect that really to continue. I mean, that was an insane pace, and uh, he's trying to find his way into the side as a regular starter from the beginning. Um, I'd call it growing pains. I would also say, like you said, he didn't, he hasn't had that extreme amount of time both on the playing pitch and the training pitch as, say, Mario Götze has had, because Götze, we know how how close him and Marco Royce are and the understanding they have. And Paco still has to develop that uh, throughout the squad. I don't, I'm not really overly concerned if this is a trend that continues for the rest of the season. If he doesn't score another goal for the rest of the season, then obviously there's a greater issue to take a look at there. You know, not like one of those players who gets a payday and then stops playing. I mean, he's trying to get into the right positions, um, but he just hasn't been overly effective Uh, like he was in the first half of the season. But again, um, that wasn't really sustainable or none of us really expected that to continue. Yeah, not one bit. I, I totally agree with you there. Um, So I have to say a big shout out to um, the, the linesman um, that, and, and VAR obviously um, in the Leverkusen match because I, I think... We we have to obviously look at what Bayern Munich are doing. Um, they have now dropped back to third place. Gladbach uh, beating Schalke are now in second place again, both level on points. So Uli Hoeneß, of course, won't care. But I don't know if you you saw that match, but um, 
basically Bayern Munich nearly scored a second goal and then uh, it was ruled out, out offside and you know we're just centimeters at, at best because they have these calibrated lines and then again uh, Bayer Leverkusen scored the 3-1 I think Julian Brandt it was um, and uh, the linesman actually thought it was offside but uh, let the play run anyway and then when the ball was in the net races flag and then they had a look at it so um that after they looked at it and determined it wasn't offside you know it stood the scoreline stood and was 3-1 Leverkusen I think um that the let's say awareness of that linesman in that particular moment certainly had uh, Dortmund big time and I'm pretty sure if Bayern Munich go up to nil away to Bayer Leverkusen that's uh, they will walk away with all three points. So in, in that regard, we now see a real impact by the VAR on, on the season and also the title race. So um, I just want to have your thoughts on it, but my, uh, mine are very positive <laughs> right now. Well, yeah, I mean, mine definitely aren't negative. Uh, it was all anybody could talk about um, over the last couple of days, especially in the Bayern camp, especially if you look at places like like Doppelpass or anything like that, where it was a discussion about the calibrated line and the, bo- the, the, the pros and the cons. I mean, you know, they say, well, it's still human error because it depends on at what point something gets stopped and it could be a tenth of a second. You know, it's like it's enough already. Um, at, at some point, that... You know, that decision has to be made. Um, if it had gone the other way, Bayern would never complain. So I'm not overly concerned about it. It was offside, again, minimally. But that's why you have that technology. It'll give you the minimal calls. I mean, just look at the NFL. Um, real-time speed versus the, the, the minimal two inches stopped before breaking the plane of the goal line for a touchdown call. I mean, it it makes a difference. And if you have the technology and it can take it down to seriously just centimeters, then why not? I mean, you have it, use it. Fine. You know, it doesn't have to be a half a meter offside to be able to call it offside. Technically, a millimeter offside is offside. That's just the way it is. You either are or you are not. Um, and the, the linesman keeping his flag down until the goal was scored, I thought was brilliant because it, it follows the, uh, the line of instruction and coaching, uh, towards the referees and saying, let it play out. If you then think there was a foul or something or an offside, then you call it, but that let the entire sequence of play play out a goal was scored had he raised his flag earlier referee would have blown the whistle the goal never would have materialized um and so a a goal scoring opportunity for Leverkusen would have been robbed so it was perfect officiating and unless you're Bayern and you're of course Bayern biased uh, which I understand if you're a Bayern (laughs) supporter or you're a Bayern player or coach or whatever um unless you're in that biased camp then it was 100% correct, no questions asked. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I think that's just a very good moment to to praise the good officiating because we don't do it that often. And, uh, you know, there you go. Anyway, I, I think it's time to move on <laughs> to um, Dortmund going 120 minutes to the uh, penalty shootout and then uh, out of the German Cup. Um, Matthias, before we get into... The uh, nitty-gritty of that game, are you too sad about Dortmund um, Yeah, crashing out? 
I mean, yes and no. I I always say I always want to win every match and every competition. But given that, you know, Dortmund are recent DFB Pokal winners have been to the final, it seems like eight out of 10 years. I mean, it's not, but it sure seems that way sometimes. Um, I, you know, I can't really complain. I don't mind Vera Bremen. Uh, my nephew's a Bremen supporter. The only downside I see it is it opens up the possibility for Bayern or Schalke winning it. Honestly, if I look at the teams left in it, I don't see how Bayern cannot win the DFB Pokal unless, you know, they make stupid errors like they did against Hatta. I still don't know how Hatta scored two goals in that match, to be honest, because that was atrocious. But um, it's it's open for Bayern to to win the DFB Pokal, so it's going to be that season where Bayern, you know, don't win the Bundesliga, don't win the Champions League, but at least they have the DFB Pokal, right? Yeah, maybe. Who knows uh, what's going to happen? But I think um, once again we should include um, the the Bayern Munich narrative into that discussion because uh, one Mats Hummels, of course, made that um, ridiculous error and uh, forced overtime as well, and. Um, I think for Dortmund it's very positive that Bayern's uh, not so deep squad gets a little bit of strain, and of course um, something to keep in mind um, if we bitch a little bit about uh, how Dortmund are doing so far at this stage. Um, always keep in mind that Bayern Munich um, are not doing much better, uh, you know, because I thought they were pretty unimpressive against Hertha Berlin. Yes, they scored two goals, but um, yeah. That wasn't really a great game. So, yeah, there's that. Anyway, now on to that cup match. Um, obviously, before the game, big talking points. Uh, Marvin Hitz and Roman Birki both out with the flu. Um, I think they will be back against Hoffenheim already. Um, and of course, Jade Sancho and Marcel Schmelzer also out sick. And uh, Lukas Piszczek had uh, foot pain and yeah, was rested or didn't play. Um, yeah, and then of course, Marco Reus picked up a groin injury, which according to Ruhnachrichten at least isn't all that bad, but we still have to see whether he can play on Saturday. But, um, Matthias that brought Erik Ölschlegel into play, who is the third goalkeeper and the goalkeeper that joins Borussia Dortmund's second team from Werder Bremen's second team in the summer. You know, as we say in German, solche Geschichten schreibt nur der Fußball. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but what did you make of, of Dortmund's game and, uh, you know, Christian Pulisic being back in, in the starting lineup overall well, in the first 90 minutes? It, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those matches. You and I said, we have a feeling this is not going to be settled in 90 minutes. Why would it be? Dortmund haven't settled a cup tie in 90 minutes this entire season. Um, and Bremen are up for it. You know, I mean, this is something, if you're a club like Bremen, in my opinion, you put everything into the cup because you have a chance to win something. You know, you're not going to win the Bundesliga. Um, you're not going to get relegated as Bremen. I think they're too good for that. So this is your opportunity to get into Europe, win, win a trophy, you know, G up your fans. Um, and, and they played really, really well, very aggressively. I thought they had a fantastic game plan. Um, I, you know, even though I think Dortmund deserved to win it, I think Bremen deserved to win it equally. I mean, it, it, again, it, it would have been perfect tie and then you walk away. If it was a Bundesliga match that ended one all or three all, nobody could have complained, honestly. Um, be that as it may, I thought Uschlieger played 
absolutely fantastic. I give him no fault on the first goal because a, a deflection essentially and a keeper, a deflection that close to him, you know, nobody can, can really uh, do much there, especially when you look at just before the end of the 90 minutes, the, the deflected shot that he saved was absolutely fantastic. It's such a shame that the third goal, the goal that he conceded, um, just before the end of extra time was really one that he had to save. I mean, that was bad. That, that didn't, that didn't look good. That was a, you have to save that. Uh, cause it wasn't an overly wicked shot or anything like that. It was pretty routine and he, and he fluffed his lines, honestly. Um, be that as it may, he played really, really well, got thrown into the deep end. Um, I think Dortmund, you know, it's funny, Christian Pulisic said that it shouldn't have gone as far as it did. It shouldn't have even gone to extra time. Dortmund should have won it. I think that's really interesting coming from a player who, aside from one sequence where he scored a goal, did nothing. I mean, nothing of note in the entire game. Um, obviously, watching U.S. media coverage of it. It was a redemption story and Pulisic is back. I mean, give me a break. He, yes, he scored a really nice, impressive goal. But before and after that, he did nothing. I mean, nothing. And the only reason why he was in the squad is simply because other players were sick or injured. And it was rotation time dictated on that. If, if Sancho would have been healthy, Sancho would have played because he's much better than Pulisic at this point. And, um, did Dortmund do enough to win it in the full 90 minutes? Maybe, but Bremen, Bremen could make the same argument. So honestly, going to penalties, it kind of was inevitable. You know, 85 year old Claudio Pizarro getting a goal was kind of interesting. Um, great for him. I mean, he, he was one of those players, one of the few players that's ever played for Chelsea and Bayern that I actually liked. Um, and how can you not like that? And, and Bremen are a likable club. So hopefully, they go on and win the damn thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm rooting for them as well. I mean, um, as far as the goal from Pizarro goes, you can at least say that, um, it was unfortunate because everyone was in a correct position and it just deflected a little <laughs> bit weirdly off, uh, Axel Witzel. Um, other, other than that, um, I don't really, uh, yeah, can criticize a lot there. And, um, yeah, the Hanek corner. And, and that goal, as, as we said, that's sadly on Ulschläge, um, not really well defended. And the first goal that Dortmund conceded is a little bit on Diallo. Um, it's funny how, how Bremen sort of beat Dortmund with a similar routine as they beat, uh, were beaten by Dortmund by Guerrero and Alcacer in, in the, uh, Bundesliga match. Um, but yeah, I, I Diallo is just a little bit late there, uh, against Rashica. But I think more worrying overall is that in nine, in 90 minutes, Dortmund created 0.26 expected goals um, and and scored with their only shot on goal, which was uh, that really great free kick from Marco Royce. And other than that, I cannot really um, yeah remember a chance created by Dortmund. And even though Bremen defended well and they were structured and aggressive and all the things you just named, um, I just think that's... That's just not enough. If you play at home against Bremen and you have a lot of good players on the ice, I just think that there needs to um, be more, um, yeah, to be created more chances. And, uh, yeah, that does not reflect uh, well on, on the players. And, yeah, Rafael Guerrero, Marco Royce, and, and uh, obviously, um, 
Christian Pulisic needs to do much, much better there. And, uh, yeah, Lucien Favre, I think, also has to go back to the do- the drawing board because uh, I-, I felt like Kofeld had figured him out a little bit um, in the way that Bremen just spaced themselves. Obviously, it didn't help that they went uh, down so early, but then, you know, it was level at half time and then in the second 45 minutes I don't really remember Dortmund doing much and Bremen had you know the chance to win it so that was very disappointing and uh, it was a refreshing <laughs> turnaround then after uh you know the normal time that uh yeah we had then a 2-2 draw basically within 30 minutes that was fun and exhilarating and um also nice to see that Dortmund still can counter uh <laughs> But yeah, still in in 90 minutes, uh, that was complete garbage. And I think based on that, they certainly deserve to go out. Um, It wasn't really necessary to go 120 minutes, but what can you do? So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to lose too too much time over that game. It was fun to watch. And in the end, uh, yeah, it wasn't to be penalty shootout. Pavlenka had the little uh, sheet with... uh, (laughs) With all the um, yeah, likely targets of of the players, and yeah, he saved both against Alcasa and Maximilian Philip. At least Philip, I I uh, yeah, really thought he would convert, but yeah, Alcasa I think has has a history with penalties. That's not it, so. It, yeah, but Philip's penalty was bad. I mean, that was a bad penalty. It was too close to the keeper and at the right height that it's easy for a keeper to save. I mean. Paco's was marginally better, though though not by much. And, you know, to me, you know, kind of quickly, you know, when you said didn't create much, I think the lineup didn't help create much. I think um, the fact that you had Diallo at left back and Hakimi at right back, you didn't see the dynamic that you would get with Hakimi on the left side when he dr- drifts inside and creates havoc, honestly, and space yeah, for Guerrero. Said, I, I think Diallo had a bad game. Yeah, yeah, he just you could tell he hadn't played it in a while and it it just it was it was an, an un call it an uncomfortable formation and then you have I again this is the kind of match where I'm I'm surprised that Dahoot didn't start instead of Delaney that you have a little more creativity centrally. Uh even though Delaney played really, really well. Um and he could have won it for Dortmund right at the end. Um but and and the other thing to me, you can't discount Pulisic playing. He's not a creative player. He ran into uh, dead-end alleys over and over again, turned around, threw his hands up at the ref, and complained like a petulant child. And it happened over and over and over again. It's just, It was eerily reminiscent of the Düsseldorf game. Um, just Bremen not quite as or don't want to work quite as open to the counters they were against Düsseldorf, but very, very similar in the sense of just the, the, the formation, the players in the formation didn't jive. You know, if you'd have Hakimi on the left, Pishek or somebody else on the right, I think that would have already changed things a lot. If you would have had a more creative partner next to Witzel, I think I that would have helped that, a little that, bit as well. Uh, it, it would have been a good, moment to stick Marius Wolf on the right back side and keep Hakimi on the left. I just don't think that Diallo as a left back is is a viable long term op- option and then I'd rather experiment with uh, Marius Wolf. Yeah. That's I, just me. I have and, to agree with you. 
And uh, I, I don't think Marius Wolf is that bad of a right back uh, when he did play it so far. He's, he's done well and uh, he brings a certain dynamic and overlaps, can score goals and all that. And I think in the defensive department, he is also proven for, for Frankfurt as a wingback, um, that he can, can, you know, work out there quite well. So, um, I don't know why this isn't a sort of game where, where you try this out. Um, you know, it's not like Dortmund had that much to lose. Um, yeah. F going out of the cup is obviously painful but on the other hand it just means you have less strain and maybe one or two weeks more to prepare um for a regular Bundesliga match where you are trying to win the title so um yeah I guess let's just move on to the Hoffenheim game as you just said Delaney uh, had a good game but uh, he is suspended after picking up the fifth yellow against Frankfurt arguably something he should have done against Leipzig so he missed the game against Hanover but uh That wasn't to be. Hoffenheim, of course, are in eighth place, but the fourth best away team in the Bundesliga with uh, four wins, three draws and two losses. And um, on the other hand, form is not really on their side because they have only one win out of the last five, which was against Freiburg. So um, that obviously is always a tricky game, Matthias. Julian Nagelsmann is obviously the first name that is connected with Hoffenheim and, and their strength because he created something that's, you know, the sum is, is better than, you know, the parts. So looking ahead, what do you make of this game? Do you think this is the so-called trap game? Do you think this is a must-win game? Do you think that uh, Dortmund can afford to drop more points With and and uh, since Schalke are playing against Bayern, uh, how do you want this game to come out? <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. It Maybe one of the few times I kind of root for Schalke, um, or at least a draw. It would. It, I don't know. I, I mean, leaving that match out of it, Dortmund have to take care of their own business. I don't, this doesn't have trap game written all over it for me at all. Um, every match is a must win at this point, but I think it's honestly a bigger must win match for Hoffenheim than, than Dortmund because they've quietly been falling down, 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 down. They're probably quietly falling down because it's Hoffenheim. Honestly, <laughs> nobody really pays much attention to them. Once Nagelsmann leaves, no one's going to be paying attention to them again. Um, The because obviously there seems to be some discontent within the squad, also towards their manager. Uh, thinking about the the idiotic comment from Amiri after the match when he got substituted out and said the manager took his opportunity to have an impact on the match. Well, I don't know. You had the entire point until you got substituted. You could have had an impact on the match, and you didn't. So. I, I'm going to side with Nagelsmann there. Uh, but I, again, I think there's more pressure on Hoffenheim because, I mean, Nagelsmann said, oh, we can forget about the Champions League. So he's writing that one off. Um, but, you know, at least get close to Europa League. The pressure's there. I mean, he's not going to lose his job because he's already leaving anyway. Um, but there's, there's definite pressure on Hoffenheim because I think a couple of more bad results and it could actually turn south really badly for them this season, not relegation wise, but just as far as discontent within the squad players wanting to leave at the end of the season. And it could all fall apart 
and Hoffenheim could be back to where they were before Nagelsmann took over. So I, my personal opinion is there's more pressure on Hoffenheim to get this right. Um, if Dortmund get a draw against Hoffenheim at home, it wouldn't be the end of the world, given that people tend to uh, rate Nagelsmann and what he can do very, very highly. I'm one of those people. But um, I this isn't a match that honestly worries me as much. Um, I, I think Dortmund... Uh, we'll, we'll get their act back together. Um, I'm curious to see who gets paired up with Witzel. I'm going to assume it's Dahut. Uh, in that case, there's a little bit more creativity in central midfield. And so I'm cautiously optimistic. I was more worried about Bremen and Frankfurt than I am about Hoffenheim. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Because I, I really think that, that Hoffenheim is one of the, uh, teams that can hurt Dortmund. Um, I think if Dortmund are going to drop points against the next three or four opponents, it's most likely just going to be Hoffenheim. Um, but uh, may maybe also because uh, the next game is uh, in a Champions League game and that, as we know, sometimes takes a little bit of focus away. So, um, that's, you know, obviously some, something that, that can happen, but more, Interestingly, um, I don't know if you read about this, um, but Hans E. Lorenz, who is, um, the, uh, let's say head of the sport court <laughs> in, in Germany, uh, has dangled the possibility of, um, points reduction for Dortmund if they, uh, hurl abuse at, uh, Dietmar Hopp, the Hoffenheim sugar daddy, let's call him that way, or owner, however you want to put it. Because they are ob obviously on probation since the uh, last game where I think they unfurled a big banner with uh, his face and a crosshair over it or something like that. And um, what do you make of this, um, let's say, very extreme measure and um, the uh, power that, you know, white, <laughs> white male billionaires have <laughs> if they feel a little bit cranky in, you know, general? Well, if you want to debate me into a rant, you've done so successfully. Um, the, so a couple of things. The, the banner with Dietmar Hopp in the crosshairs, I thought was in bad taste. Um, because yes, you can, if there's a psycho out there, somebody with bad intent, mis, misread that as, hey, put him in the crosshairs and kill him. Um, it's kind of like the, the very bad taste banners towards Rangnick, uh, with a Leipzig match where they basic, where somebody had written something along the lines of he should just kill himself. Um, I mean, that's, that's crap. That's childish, idiotic behavior from the ultras yet again. However, that being said, Germany is a democratic society where freedom of speech exists okay and as such if fans say something abusive towards Dietmar Hopp in any shape or form the thought that the club should be punished by losing points is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard when it comes to points 
deductions. If you think about some of the crap that goes on in world football, given that a Qatari owner of PSG is now on the executive committee of UEFA. Okay? So let's just put that aside. There's no way there should be a points deduction. Oh, don't say anything mean. He'll get his feelings hurt. Shut up. You know, it's like, so I they mean, say you, something you, stupid. Fine, whatever. Ban those fans. You can find it. Look at, you've got video going the whole time. Oh, okay, those guys are holding that banner that say he should kill himself. Boom, you're done. You're not allowed to come to another Dortmund match for the rest of your life. I'm perfectly fine with that. Punishing those individuals that say things that are, honestly, they go beyond offensive. Um, but at the same time, you know, grow, just grow up a little bit. Deducting points over something like that is absolutely stupid. Um, of course, Dietmar Hope will complain if anybody even dare to say something negative towards him. Um, if somebody says something that's along the lines of killing him, I agree. That goes way beyond what you should say or write or anything like that. And it's stupid. And idiots write that. And those idiots shouldn't be allowed into football matches anymore because they're probably prone towards violence anyway. But to talk about points reductions because of what somebody says or writes, I mean, come on, let's let's move on from that. Well, I don't know about you, Matthias, but free free speech is only great until someone criticizes you, right? Um. <laughs> I mean, technically, free spree, free speech is okay until, and this is actually the legal definition, it ends when you try to bring up people to attack or use violence against a certain group of people or individuals. I mean, that's where freedom of speech then ends. Uh, it's basically your rights end when you start infringing upon my rights as a human being to have dignity. And so there is a certain legal case there to a degree, but come on, let's, you know, it's a football match and uh, people say and do a lot of really, 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 really stupid things in the ultra scene And so that's not the worst thing I've seen so I far. I mean, in in history of football, there have been many, many worse things that have not resulted in the points deduction. But, you know, I just wanted to mention it because it's an interesting extra spice added there. And uh, knowing Dortmund fans, I'm pretty sure they will not refrain from uh, hurling insults at Dietmar Hopps. So, um, oh, no, no. This is, this is just going to get the most childish element of the ultras really up to do something possibly really really outlandish to really piss him off because you and I know that within the ultra scenes, there is that very childish group that can do that type of behavior. Yeah. But you know, imagine if there's actually going to be a points deduction and then Dortmund lose the title uh, exactly by that margin. That would be, um, then, then I'll join them. Then yeah. I'll join the childish ultras. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, I don't know who is going to be fit for that game. It seems to be like Marco Royce could play, but um, I I honestly think that he probably won't. Um, if Friday is the first time he is back in training and then uh, after one training session wants to play again for 19 minutes, I think um, if you do that, then he, this groin injury or whatever he felt there will be much, much worse the next day and he will be ruled out for two, three or four weeks then. So um, I would just not risk it and play maybe Mario Götze again as a number 10 or whatever. I would just um, do something else, especially um, if you have Mahmoud Dahoud, 
or someone else in a, in a double pivot, I think there's going to be more creativity and more connections, which will make it easier for Mario Götze, for example, to, to create something. Then you have Paco Alcázar up top. Um, and I expect Jaden Sancho and Lucas Pischek to be back. So there will be a whole nother dimension to Dortmund's game, which we did not see against, um, against Bremen. So in that regard, I, I think you know, we will have a better game on our hands. So, um, Matthias, I don't want to ponder too much because I've got to uh, get to the next match. So, in in short, what do you expect of Dortmund, how they will set up, and then a quick prediction, please. Yeah, setup is interesting because obviously there is another match coming a few days after that. Um, I don't, I mean, it would be surprised to see Götze and Paco play. Uh, I think you'll have one or the other and then possibly Maximilian Philipp in for one or the other. Um, I, I think this is one of those matches that's going to be very, very tight. But I do believe Dortmund will come out on top with a scoreline probably along the lines of 2-1. All right. I'm not going to be as optimistic. I'm, I'm uh, predicting a one all draw in this game. And uh, yeah, then we move on to Wednesday. Um, in in Wembley, Dortmund revisit that uh, ground since 2013 for the first time, I think. Oh no, they actually played against Tottenham in in a couple of re- yeah, even even last year. So um, yeah, forget what I said, but they are going back to Wembley. Uh, the uh, Tottenham Stadium, the new one, is not uh, open yet. I don't know. Do they? Does Tottenham already play there, or is it just no? No, it's nope. that it's don't even let's just anyway, moving on. All right, <laughs> moving on. Tottenham right now are third in the Premier League and uh, look pretty safe uh, for uh, at least third place finish. I don't think they'll have much of a shot, uh, you know, going toe to toe with Liverpool and Man City. But uh, maybe you can shed a little bit more light on that. The game against Dortmund is uh, sandwiched in between games against Leicester and Burnley. So, um Tottenham can afford to focus on that Dortmund game and uh, yeah the second leg however will be after the uh, North London derby against Arsenal so um, yeah anyway but before we talk about the second leg let's talk about the first leg Um, uh, in my eyes a very big game between two teams that are very much in form know how to play good football and um, two coaches that uh, you know have let's say balance in mind for especially these Champions League ties so I think it's going to be a really gritty affair what do you think will take place in in Wembley on on Wednesday night Matthias well I mean uh, Dortmund Tottenham (laughs) have in in recent weeks kind of been a little up and down Um, they struggled in a few matches uh, and and the main thing is is goals um, they have no one really to score goals for them. Harry Kane's going to be out. Deli Alley's not going to be there. Um, well, they have Son, so that's yeah, you have Son, but Son comes off the wing, and you know Son's goal against um, Newcastle was a goal that a keeper would normally save. I mean, that was a keeper error. It was straight at him. He really should have saved that one and instead got through him. Uh, Tottenham were very lucky to, to get the three points there. So, you know, Son is one of those, whether he's played for Leverkusen or Hamburg or Tottenham, somehow always is give, gives Dortmund problems. 
Um, I don't know why he's just up for it when it comes against Dortmund for some reason, it, the way the team's played. But obviously, this is a little bit different, Dortmund. I'm. I think at this point, it's just I, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Know. Yeah. But but again, coming off the wing, I just. I mean, Fernando Llorente, I'm not too worried about. For me, the worrisome players are, are Ericsson and Son. Are they alone enough? I I think Dalton's going to win this match, and I think they're going to win it. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if they win it fairly comfortably, not necessarily by scoreline, but just by ease. Um, because I think Dortmund are the the better have the better squad and are playing better and have more depth and have more opportunity. I think they'll they have more chances of scoring goals. Watching Tottenham the last few weeks, there are far too many op- matches where they just didn't create enough. Goal scoring wise, and the threat's not there, so I just don't see it. I think Dortmund are going to win this match two nil. Yeah, well, that's very, that's very confident. I mean, if if you look at Tottenham's backline, um, who has struggled recently in particular, Matthias? Well, I mean, whenever you throw in Vertonghen or anybody in there, I think the the problem you have is when you come at them with pace. And obviously, if there's one thing Dortmund have, it's pace. And that's why I don't really want to see Paco Alcacer play against Hoffenheim because I want to see him play against Tottenham because I think he can create havoc um, on the center backs of Tottenham. And Not because he's pacey, but because... But just because he of he's a more direct striker than Mario Götze. I think Mario Götze, he'll drop off more and they won't move with him. They won't, they, they're so disciplined. They, they'll leave it at, as is. But if you throw in someone who's a more of a direct striker, like Paco is, then there's going to be a lot of problems, especially if you then throw in Sancho and Royce and Guerrero or Götze coming in in a 10 behind it. I think uh, Dortmund will have plenty of goal-scoring chances, and I think they'll at least get two of them. So, um, do I look at, at it the, this way that Fatongen and Aldrewild will play on the left side, Fatongen as a left back, and then Aldrewild as a as a left center back? Is this basically no. the, the the do that Jaden Sancho then will go up against, or um, or how will this line up? I wouldn't be surprised if we see Danny Rose um, possibly lining up at left back because he can keep up with Sancho on pace. Um, if Vertonghen plays as left back, I would attack him over and over and over again because he's not as slow as, as Mats Hummels. Uh, it's not going to be quite that bad of a mismatch, but Sancho will blow past him. He's just um, a very edgy. If, no, no. If but if you put a a Danny Rose type player against him, uh, then you've got the pace that you're dealing with to be able to compete with Jaden Sancho. But obviously, someone like Danny Rose isn't as adept defensively as Vertonghen is. So again, I think uh, Dortmund will get after them and and will get goals. Yeah, I really wonder what the um, uh, English media media will do with this game because Jane Sancho obviously will show qualities. I think playing with a team that he really knows by heart in in Dortmund that um, he maybe hasn't shown as much uh, with the English national team yet. So I I think 
for him this will be maybe even more of a breakout game I mean he has gotten some coverage but I, I think overall he's still a little bit under the radar just because you know ob obviously most of the British people just don't pay attention to the Bundesliga even though I know we we have a lot of British listeners but um yeah um maybe maybe this will um you know ignite the hype hype train of Jaden Sancho even more and I don't really think why he would have a bad game because so far every time the pressure was on him or you know he was a little bit more under mi under the microscope he has stepped up and performed so I think that's a very positive sign and uh, if there's one positive for Dortmund is that the pitch in Wembley is usually um, a very great field and that helps Dortmund to play good football so I'm I'm really looking forward to it and also to see Dortmund come back after they really were trounced and completely without a chance against Tottenham the last time these two teams faced off in the, in the uh, EuroLeague with, uh, I think, Peter Sugar at the sidelines, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's just good to see that Dortmund have restored themselves and will be in, in better shape. And, of course, um, Axel Witzel in the Champions League um, is also something really cool and I think a lot of other teams don't really reckon with yet. So, um, yeah, speaking of, of which, who do you think will be in defensive midfield? Will it be Wings and Sissoko like, like against Newcastle or who do you think we will see? I guess it's dictated by who plays this weekend. Um, but yeah, that, that seems to be the preference for Pochettino uh, because it also gives Ericsson a little bit more of a free roll. Uh, ahead of them uh, to be more creative. Um, the the thing for me is, even though Sissoko has been playing surprisingly well this season, uh, he's he still can lack some discipline at times. And Harry Winks, Harry Winks is basically a less defensively capable Julian Weigel <laughs> in the sense that he's 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 a little bit more creative than Weigel, but he's even less physically imposing than Weigel. Okay, I um, mean, how, how do you mean? Because as a centre-back, Julian Weigel has done a, a pretty good job so far, but as no, a defensive midfielder, Weigel yeah. is not, you know, does not have defensive capabilities, to cut it short. Yeah, I mean, he's not known for it. It's not the role he's looking for. it, And to me, Harry Wings kind of falls into that and, and maybe even lesser so. Given that Delaney won't play against Hoffenheim, he will definitely play against Tottenham. Um, cause he's going to be fully rested. So if you have Witzel and Delaney in there, they're going to boss those two. Cause on, on pure man to man matchup, the Witzel and Delaney are better, much better than Winks and Sissoko. Uh, the, to me, the wild card in that entire match will really be the space uh, that Ericsson is given and, and the impact he can have on the Tottenham match. Because he's really the only one that I can see has the creativity now to maybe get Tottenham in positions to score a goal, even though it really hasn't happened much in recent weeks. Um, and then obviously Son coming off the wings. But if Son, if you have Son and you have him matched up because he likes to come off the right wing a lot of times, that's where he came off and scored the goal against Newcastle. If he's on the right and you're going to pair him up against Hakimi, the pace isn't going to be an issue anymore. That's going to be completely nullified. So I, I just, 
to me, it matches up very, very favorably for Dortmund. Also, because I think Jaden Sancho is going to be really up for this one, playing in Wembley in front of an English crowd and kind of showing who he is. Um, the downside is English media will be completely insufferable afterwards if he does really, really well. Because all it's going to be like, so when is Sancho going to come to Man City? When is he going to come to Liverpool? When is he going to play for Manchester United? When When is this piddly little hipster team from Germany going to finally be able to sell him uh, to a proper football club with money? You know, I mean, that's paraphrasing a little bit here. Yeah, but I, I, still, I, I that's, that's kind of where it's going to go. But yeah, I must say, um, as, as weird as it sounds, but I'm more confident about Dortmund winning against Tottenham in London than I am, uh, about Dortmund beating Hoffenheim at home. I don't know why. I, I'll agree with you there. I um, will. I, I think Dortmund will win against Hoffenheim, but I think it's going to be harder than against Tottenham. I think the matchups against Tottenham are much better for Dortmund. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think that, uh, the Bundesliga teams, especially Hoffenheim, has Dortmund figured out a little bit. And I think Hoffenheim will just be more aggressive with their pressing and, uh, you know, have that nothing to lose attitude. While uh, Tottenham, I think, will be a little bit more careful and thus, uh, you know, make life a little bit easier for Dortmund. But uh, we'll see how it pans out. Uh, my prediction for that game is going to be 2-1 Dortmund, actually. Um, and, yeah, that should should give them quite the tie for for the second leg and uh, quite the advantage if that actually materialize we see we will see um what's oh yeah you already predicted a 2 2 nil scoreline and i i think we can leave it there um matthias unless you have anything else to say thanks for coming on and uh, you know keeping this four game schedule so brief yeah, we, we kind of had to breeze through, but I think we, I think we did it justice. Uh, always a pleasure to be on. Yeah, you got at least one rant in there. <laughs> so please tell our audience how to get in touch with you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matiasuk. Awesome. And you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with all of us, please go to yellowwellpod.com or Facebook, Twitter. It's also at Yellow Wall Pod. And if you want to support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And uh, if you want to find out about all the ways to subscribe to our show, please do that iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. And uh, if you uh, want to help us reach new audiences, please leave a rating on iTunes. That certainly will help. And uh, yeah, that's it from the Yellow Wall Pod. For this week, um, I'm already looking forward to next week because I think there will be plenty of stuff to talk about. So um, thank you, Matthias, again. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Have a good weekend. <laughs>